and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're going on a road trip, sort of. Yes. Before we get started... <laughs> End of the road trip, actually. How was your week? Literally, where the sidewalk ends. Yes. Well, yeah. No. Where the road ends. Um, how was my week? It yes. was indoors. <laughs> it was very indoors. Yay! Shelter in place. Shelter in place, yes. I'm safe. I do not have... Icky, icky illnesses. And we, we did um, take a road trip to an indoor road trip. Yes, we did. We did. So that. we're recording this a couple of weeks mm-hmm. in advance, but we just passed Father's Day. Right. Congratulations. Thank you. And we went on a road trip. We drove our whole household. There's four of us. Mm-hmm. Me, you, your ex-wife, and your child. Yes. And we all It's a very odd household. It is an odd household. Don't worry about it. And we drove. uh, We went on a three-hour road trip where we never got out of the vehicle. And we looked at beautiful sceneries because California is beautiful. But there were a lot of people out there without masks on. So we stayed safely in our vehicle. Which Yeah. uh, There was points where I wanted to stop and take in the scenery. But there were also people just wandering around. Wandering around. Unprotected. And I think, no. I say no. I do not want to be sick. I do not Bye. want to have to take time Bye off of work. That. Right, yes. Um, yeah, so that was silly. But we did see some beautiful vistas. Yes. And we traveled around and we had root beer. And we had root beer. Which is the way that every trip should end. A&W is a stop on every road trip that we take. I don't know any particulars about A&W, but I know that I love the food. You, you can love get the beverage there. and you love the cheesy curds. Yes, I should try a hamburger there too. I sometime. bet they're good. They smelled really good when they we were there, really but good. we didn't get it. Just so everyone knows, in case you heard in the background today, we will be joined by Danny Torrance, who is riding a big wheel in the background somewhere. <laughs> we keep there. He goes again. So if you hear <laughs> it right in the background, somebody is driving in a, like a big wheel up and down the driveway That's right behind us. That's not what it is. It and is trash it is, night, it and is, so they are taking no, their. It's a big. 400 different garbage containers out of the I say it's a big wheel because I don't understand why you would keep dragging this. I know. This is the fourth one, I think. This is a very long kind of alley behind our house. So if you hear it... That's what it is. It's Danny Torrance. Danny Torrance says, Rad Rum! So um, that's what's going on. Aye, aye, aye. So Mm -hmm. this week... This week... We are talking about 2009's Canadian film... Dolan's Cadillac, based on the short story, Dolan's Cadillac. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a big stretch right there, coming up with the title. And I will tell you that this movie is a very tight adaptation. It is very close to the book. Yeah. So the book, the story, we'll start there. Well, let's do this. Let's start with our one sentence synopsis. This film can actually be, it can work as one sentence because there's not really a lot to the plot. All right, explain this to me like I'm a two-year-old, okay? Because there's an element to this thing. I just cannot get through my thick head. A young man, uh, debatable, attempts to seek to avenge his wife's death after she is murdered by a Las Vegas mobster. Let me address that. A man avenges his wife's death after she was murdered by a Las Vegas monster, because right, so he does, in fact, succeed. If this alert. film had been made when I was young, yes. 
it would star Charles Bronson. Um, no, but Charles Bronson wants to punch. Right, well, he also shoots people, but yeah, yes, this is <laughs> this is this is a Charles Bronson movie with a guy who's not Charles Bronson, obviously. So I think that's kind of what the gist is. Charles Bronson in Death Wish, his wife and his daughter are raped and murdered, so he goes and kills every criminal inside, even the ones that weren't responsible right. for his wife and daughter. In a film that unfortunately has been appropriated to mean all sorts of horrible things but this is what it felt like to me like what if it was a really not tough guy (laughs) i mean he's tough in his way he's tough in a very steady way and and we'll get into that later um but yeah he's not the man who knows how to shoot or punch people in the face right so let's start with the novella Mm -hmm. uh dolan's cadillac originally published in castle rock king's official newsletter in monthly installments from February to June of 1985. Okay. It was reprinted in 1993 inside of Nightmares and Dreamscapes. You all remember that title, right? Yep. Uh, it is narrated... And not lamented like Nightmares and Dreamscapes. It is narrated by the protagonist, a schoolteacher, uh, known in the book only by a surname, Robinson, who lives in Las Vegas, and there's only one other main character in the book, and that is... Dolan. The titular Dolan. Now, I could not remember which one this was, but Stephanie, as we were watching it, I I had an idea and I was like, at one point somebody asked the main character if he wanted to do something and I responded just quietly under my breath, no, I gotta go dig a big hole. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, I don't know if that's this one or or, uh, road work. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't remember if Dolan's Cadillac or Roadwork was the one with the big hole. It's Dolan's Cadillac, y'all. It's Wait, Dolan's So Cadillac. what is Roadwork about? Cause I don't remember. Plenty of I don't remember, and I'm not going to get into it, because okay. that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about good Dolan's Cadillac. So it's the subject. This movie stars basically two people. Mm-hmm. It's basically Wes Bentley, mm-hmm. who is our main character, Robinson. Uh, he has a first name in this. It's Tom. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You never know his real name. You his don't know His brother is Will. Will Robinson. Uh, he got lost in space. His wife is mm-hmm. Elizabeth. Who's beautiful. She is a lovely woman. She's played by Emmanuel Val... She... I don't know. I would guess Vougère. Vougère. But it is... She looks like someone who should be named Vougère. It like. looks French. There's a lot of vowels in that name. And um, if I mispronounce it, I do apologize. I'm so sorry. Uh, and then... Christian Slater. Christian? Christian. Christian Slater. Christian Slater. And Christian Slater, Slater's abs should have an and right. billing. Because what is happening I, with his abs? Yeah, there was a lot of focus on that near the end of the film. Near the end. So, we start, we meet this lovely married couple who are desperately trying to have a baby. She's she peeing on sticks left and right in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's what gets her killed. Trigger warning. Lots of peeing on sticks. There's a lot of peeing on sticks. They're up in the morning. She's just peed on a stick. She's like, it's negative. Let's go back to bed. He's like, I haven't brushed my teeth. She says, I don't need my teeth. You get it. Mm-hmm. They're boning down. Oh, is that what's going on? I didn't know. Yes. I thought it was a denture situation. And then we cut to a scene in the desert wherein human traffickers have a truck full of women, Mm -hmm. refuse to pull over, and in the banging on the back trying to get them to pull over so they can pee, they knock out the fan, whether that's the banging or just a shitty truck, we don't know. And 
And then these women, many of them apparently die. Not all of them, but many of them die. And we, so we see them trying to get the attention of the drivers and being ignored. We see the fan go out and then we see the van parked or like, it's not a van. It's like a cargo truck, like Mm -hmm. a moving truck parked in the, in the desert. And we see Dolan and his Cadillac. And in this movie, his Cadillac is an Escalade. It's an SUV. Mm -hmm. In the book, it was uh, just a car. Okay. Because it was written in 1985. There was no such thing as an SUV or an Escalade then. No such thing. And he, uh, they open up the back of the truck to find many dead bodies and many nearly dead bodies. And in rage, Christian Slate shoots the two tra- uh, traffickers in the face. And meanwhile, up on a ledge, overlooking this whole scene, is the lovely Elizabeth on a horse. Because why not? It's what she does. She rides horses in the deserts and comes across human traffickers. She pulls out her flip phone to try and call for help, is shot at as she watches another woman get shot who's running for help. She watches him okay. shoot All right. three people before she decides, maybe I should leave. <laughs> like, maybe I should. As here in my, in full eyeline, where everyone can see me as right. I'm sitting it's up not here like on a horse. she's hiding somewhere like she's in a western. No, she's no. just perched up on a horse. Perched going, up on a horse. What do I then do Then she decides to ride away and is shot at. Mm-hmm. And in her fluster, she drops her phone. Oh no, she's left her phone. You know what that means? That means people know who the fuck she is. Right. Now, I would like to bring up that uh, Dolan is accompanied by two a driver. He has a driver who is played by a black woman wearing shorts. The smartest. Most sensible thing to do in a desert. It is. I was like, I love this costume design because she needs to be prepared to run, clearly. Right. She needs to be comfortable. Also, it's hot as balls. Shorts. Knee length. Slightly Mm -hmm. above knee length. Shorts like her suit was just a suit, and she tacked them and sewed them. Knee-length shorts, so good, loved it, loved. Yes, and then then the other one is a tall white man who is his character is weirdly inconsistent, but we'll discuss that later too. I mean, because at one point he He has a name. His name is Ronan. Ronan. Roman. Roman. Ronan. I like Ronan Roman. better. Roman. 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 Apparently, not a she human, a Roman. Also has a name. Uh-huh. It is Delta. You don't know that. You never know that. Roman and Delta. So then uh-huh. we get a scene. Okay. For anybody who will watch this movie, please be warned that the racism is not subtle. And it is not targeted. Well, uh, there is not a race right. that gets away without at least five slurs. Well, this is to betray the fact that Do- uh, Dolan is just the absolute worst. Except the first time we have racism, uh-huh. it's not Dolan, it's the cops. R- because well, the next scene after mm-hmm. she rides away without her phone, whoops. Yeah. Is them 
the, the couple, the Robinsons, uh-huh. going to the police. And the police ba- basically going, bullshit, and also, those beaners deserved it. Right, exactly. He uses the term, I am so sorry, it made me physically ill to say that right then, and I'm sorry to you, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm well, sorry well, to everyone. Well, but he, that's not the worst of what he has said. No, no. It says, he says some heinous shit to these people's faces. Right. And, and so, Dolan himself... To Wes Bentley, who is white, but could right. be less. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dolan himself will say racist things mm-hmm. all throughout the film. Mm-hmm. What I do appreciate is the fact that when it's never... How can I put it? What I appreciate about the film is it's never unrecognized. It's no. never the attitude of the filmmakers. When the cop says something racist, they call him on it. Like, what the hell? And it's there to indicate the fact that these cops are not going to bother no, looking for garbage. anybody. A cab, y'all, a cab. And <sighs> um, when Dolan says it, there's a scene where his black driver is making a face like, what the hell did he just say? Right, yes. And so it's not at any point as if the film is promoting this point of view. It, no. On the no, other like, hand... No, 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 we hear it. Right. And also, that's the way, that's the world that we're in. Yes, is that buckle these, the fuck up. These people are garbage, and what you're going to see is not. And again, in that respect, it did feel like an old Charles Bronson movie, in that it's just the worst of the monsters is being hunted by someone who has to become a monster to do it. And in the end, it's like, who am I rooting for? Because everyone here is a piece of work, all of them. Right. And then they go home. This is Wes Bentley. No, I mean, yes, the Robinsons. The Robinsons. Go home after no help from the police. Just And also going, I sent a man out there and there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. They go home and there's a dead woman mm-hmm. with, their, with her lips sewn shut in their bed. Right. And now it's fucking taken seriously at least a little bit and they're put in a witness protection program. Uh, there's a montage of them fucking and being bored. <laughs> Basically, just fucking and being bored. And uh, young Elizabeth wakes up during the night, one night, and she throws up. And then she's like, I think I'm pregnant. And she decides that she is going to leave the hotel in the middle of the night, even though she's under fucking police protective. Mind you, these are the same kind of people who think that beaners deserve it, so they're not exactly the the, the brightest. Well, because they're outside the hotel singing in a car. No, no, no. Watching. I'm talking about Elizabeth. Elizabeth is an idiot. Oh no, no. Elizabeth's an idiot, but the cops too are giving the and, loosest witness protection. And they see protection. her coming out, and they're like, "Stop her!" And I was like, "Well," mm. and then she goes and she opens her car. And she gets in her car, and then they're like, "They the cops." who have yelled, we should stop her, have not gotten out of their car. So I don't know what they think that they're doing. And uh, I want to call him Wes. Tom, Wes Bentley, has run down and is like, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, which, hey, if you're in Witness Protection Program, stop yelling the name of one of the people in the Witness Protection Program uh, out into the air. What are you doing? Um, Apollonia. And no, that's you a different said, movie. don't start the car. And then, of course, she starts the car. And it... Kabloom I've seen The Godfather. I know how this goes. Now. And now Elizabeth is dead. Killed by Dolan or Dolan's people. Mm -hmm. Now. What? Oh, killed by Roman, as a matter of fact, we find out later on. Oh, yes, we do. Mm -hmm. What? One. Those police were sitting outside with an eye shot of that car. Mm -hmm. Presumably, there is a patrol, like, there is constantly somebody there outside with an eye shot of that car. But they're not. 
paying any attention to that car because somebody had to put the explosives on the vehicle after right, it got parked exactly. there. So the police are bad at their job. Two, she was real stupid. She should not have done that. Uh, as soon as you see her sort of running, and it's like the like I said, the middle of the night. It's like 2 o'clock in the fucking morning. What are you doing? Um, also, though, I had said she's dumb about this pregnancy thing earlier because I was like, wait, if she just peed on a stick right at the very beginning, right when mm-hmm. we first see it, if she peed on a stick and it's negative, and then she's just like, well, that means we have to have sex again. I'm like, well, if you just had sex and you peed on a stick and it was negative, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, that's not how pregnancy tests work <laughs> or pregnancy works. It's like, not how corona tests work either. It's not. Yes. So I was just like, Ugh. so then Tom goes into a spiral. He's so sad. So He's sad. He's drinking so much. He is, he does go back to work at the school, which is a terrible idea. One, <laughs> because he's so sad. Two, because he's so drunk. And three, because he's like super bad at his job now. Probably because of one and two. So, also he decides, I'm going to kill Dolan. He follows him around a lot. He learns what his whole, uh, his What's the word I'm looking for? Routine. Yes, his routine is. And he buys a stupidly big gun that literally knocks him over the first time he fires well, it yeah, one because point. of the recoil, which might have been my favorite part of the movie right. because I was like, when I saw him holding that gun, I was like, that thing's going to knock the shit out of him. But I didn't expect it to actually knock him over, and it did, and I loved that. Well, uh, once again, reminding us, he's not Charles Bronson. He's not, <laughs> but anybody is going to get that, that kick was, if, you right. don't, if you're not ready for it, and nobody's going to be ready for it until they have Well, there's it. also an equally funny scene where he brings down part of a mountain or a hillside <laughs> with the gun. It's that same Right. Yes, it's that same so, thing. So here's, the, here's where Roman becomes an inconsistent character. Okay. Um, so w- while Tom is doing all of this, right. then we're seeing Dolan in his daily daily mm-hmm. life and, and meeting Roman and not so much Delta. But go ahead. So yeah, let's talk so about Roman and So he's being Del- pursued by yeah. the Dolan. Asian mob. An Asian mob. Not the Asian mob. And uh, who he Asian describes mob. in all sorts of ridiculous terms. Oh God, the terms. And at one point... Um, this is how Tom learns that the armored tank that is Dylan's Cadillac, which is the Asian mobsters pull up and they try gang style, uh, spraying it with bullets and nothing Nothing happens. And then Roman comes out and despite the fact that all three guys have their guns drawn, one, two, three, he shoots them all in but the head. But it's likely that all of them di- di- treated right. their guns the way that people in movies treat their guns, which is emptying the clips. But here's the deal for me. Because I said that's like a dumb action movie device. I've seen it a hundred times in action movies, and it's dumb. And it's even dumber when you realize that he has perfect aim and shoots these guys right between the eyes, one after the other, but he couldn't hit that woman sitting on a rise on a horse with no he obstruction whatsoever. He didn't that fire it. No, it wasn't. It was Dolan that was firing. It wasn't it, Roman. It just, it was a dumb scene to me. Yes. Like that whole scene was just done in a dumb way. And it, yeah, I was like, bitch, ride your horse away. What right, are you but doing? All of the, and, and maybe this is another way of saying it. There are directors who handle action scenes and those who don't. And this really felt like a person who just 
it, it, there wasn't any particular suspense or drama to any of the scenes. Do you want to talk about who made this movie? Because we didn't talk about that. Okay, no. So the director is Jeff Beasley. Beasley. He... I shouldn't say it like that. ...is one of Canada's most exciting young filmmakers, according to his IMDb bio. Mm -hmm. He's done some TV movies, some TV shows in Canada. This movie. More TV shows. I think now he may be living in the Hallmark world because the last four things on IMDb for him are No Time Like Christmas, Radio Christmas, The Christmas Club, and Holiday Date. Wow, so yes, he directs action scenes like a Hallmark movie director, basically, is what I'm saying. It's just... I, I, uh, anyhow, so go on. So this, yes, not... Yes, his action... Is not good. <laughs> so yes, he sees that this is happening, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Well, I can't shoot him because this, like, he's got he's driving a tank, right?" Yes. So then he's he still follows him, and he knows that he goes to L.A. every the first Sunday of every month. Mm-hmm. Now, meanwhile, too, we see what Dolan is doing. Dolan is trafficking women. He's he's transporting women. And then sort of handing them off to be sold. Right. Uh, and uh, also utilizing his own purchases. He does, um, he likes tall, uh, Russian-looking women <laughs> are the ones that he seems to gravitate towards. There's a lot of women in uh, not very many clothes saying absolutely nothing, having their rears smacked in this movie. Yes, that does happen an awful lot. No two women speak to each other. So this movie definitely doesn't pass the Bechdel um, test. <laughs> no, not that I can true. think of, actually, oddly. Also true of 1408. Mm-hmm. Mm, it is not true. The Mist definitely does pass the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a Just horrible conversation. Just for that conversation. Um, the, the, yes, that terrible conversation that Carmody and... Oh my uh, God, I'm really had. worried now that I've never written anything that would pass the Bechdel test. I'm going to need you to write something that passes the Bechdel well, test. See, that's, that's... You have to write something with two women who have names. You do. That seance one definitely did. Yes, it did. There was two women talking to you. There, that's very there good. There you go. One right. thing, that. <laughs> um, so... Yes, and you were like, please don't let me ever see him kissing anybody. And you No, that, don't... Was, that was Stephanie. And oh, yeah, she I'll, was I'll, like, I'll, I don't want to see I, him I, kissing I anybody. See, this is odd because... And Christian Slater, uh, I got to say real quick, uh, looks fucking great in this movie. See, uh, this is the thing. She has a thing about Christian Slater. She thinks he's, like, horrible, right? She right. finds him troll-like and like, terrible. She has a weird reaction to... Odd people like Kurt Russell was always. Yes, she also hates Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell which is so Christian funny because he seems so great. <laughs> and and then I have weird reactions to some people I don't like. Gosling. Ryan Gosling just looks like a ferret to me, yes. and so does. Although I like him better as an actor. Oh, Lord of the Rings. What's his name? Viggo Mortensen. Also has this long straight nose, so and he looks weird. just ferrety. I don't know what about them and their faces so make me. Remind me of opossums and things with you know long snouts. I don't know why. I just have some synesthetic reaction. But I want to like Christian Slater because um, one of my Facebook friends and the author who was a local celebrity for a long time, Will Vihero, uh-huh. who ran the the show at the Parkway for years, yeah. is really good friends with him. Oh, really? Um, 
I Christian Slater, he says, is a hell of a guy. He was, I believe that. He was supposed to, they were supposed to collaborate on a project, which unfortunately the finances got pulled at the last minute. Mm-hmm. But he's a huge fan of Christian Slater's. He was a big fan of Mr. Robot. Yes. Um, yeah. And so it's like. So yeah. I, I have a deep love for Christian Slater. Really? Because of my age, probably. Yeah. Let me watch Cuffs all day, every day. Are you kidding me? I love Cuffs. I love, what is that pirate radio movie that he did? Uh, Pump the Volume? Yes. Uh-huh. I love the movie where he has a monkey heart. <laughs> I, I don't know that one. <laughs> That's real. I'm not making it up. I mean, it isn't quite real, but it's a little bit real. Um, <laughs> the, I, do, you, <laughs> do you really not know what I'm talking about? No, you don't look it up. I don't want to know. I don't want to know Christian Slater monkey heart. I, I don't need that to be a thing in my life ever. <laughs> Well, I'm looking it up. So, oh my god, it's something. It's are you sure it's called Monkey Heart, Heart. like Braveheart? Um, No, it's not. (laughs) Okay, Untamed Heart is what it's called. Yes. So, (laughs) (laughs) just trying to imagine it. So, so 1990 to 1999. Okay, so this is how his career is divided up in IMDb. Mm -hmm. No, in uh, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. 1977 to 1989, early success. Mm-hmm. 1990 to 1999, box office success. 2000 to present, television roles, Mr. Robot. <laughs> so, oh, but, you know, <laughs> as much as we can say, funny, it, actually, there are actors who want that longevity, and he's achieved it. For sure. And, and that's good on him. Oh, here we go. Prior to beginning his role in Mr. Robot, Slater announced in 2013 he was developing and making a film based on Will Viaro's 1993 neo-noir novel, Love Stories Are Too Violent for Me. Yeah. The success of Mr. Robot and contracts for additional seasons has delayed him being able to right. do the adaptation. It's a but that's because... in the thing. So. Right. But 1999 to 19... Or 1990 to 1999 is like... He was Will Scarlet in Prince of Thieves. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. He was in Cuffs. Uh, he was in Untamed Heart. He was in True Romance. Which I didn't see until I was. Until which well is actually after that. terribly funny. Stephanie got me to see that film. Uh, he was in that two scenes in Interview with a Vampire or something. Uh, he was the interviewer, I, the I, titular interviewer the of the character. Vampire. Right. I, <laughs> I've never seen that film. I've heard it's lovely looking, but I like my vampires you scary. You would hate it. Yeah, yes, no, I, I don't think you would enjoy right. that. Uh, Bed of Roses. Broken Arrow, Hard Rain. No, I liked Broken Arrow. And then Very Bad Things, which I hate. I actually, I right. did not finish that movie. So, but all those other movies, mm. I was on board I was for. just well, thinking about Broken Arrow, particularly in context, in this context now, because that was, I think, the the part where I really liked Samantha Mathis. Oh, interesting. Um, and watching... Uh, Christian Slater and John Travolta have a kung fu fight. This is a John Woo movie. So yes. it has, I was trying to, I, and this is so weird because so many of our coworkers are much younger people now. Having to explain um, John Woo to a young friend of ours who had never seen a John Woo movie and talking about how... Hey, John, anytime anybody holds a gun like this, guns right. like two guns, not one right. gun, two guns. And he had never seen Chow Yun-Fat and oh, I was just shame. blown away. Like you have, you, you don't know. To be cool. fair, 
Right. I don't know that I've ever seen Cheyenne Fat in a movie. I know what who he is and what he looks right. like, but I don't know that I've ever They're seen a Cheyenne Fat. Hard boiled, rescuing, having a gunfight while you're holding a baby in one hand. <laughs> that is probably the the epitome of John Woo's ability to push outrageousness to a whole new level. Yeah. So so I very much love Monkey Christian Hunt. Slater. Okay. I also love that Christian Slater has had 1994 boy band hair mm-hmm. since 1983. Right. And he still has it now. He's got this part in the middle, fucking floppy to the side. Sometimes it's slicked back, but mm-hmm. it's the same haircut. And it's never been anything else. And it's never going to be anything <laughs> else. Because that's what his hair looks like. I wouldn't doubt it was a wig at this point. But I don't know. It's not my business. I like his hair. And in this movie, I like his abs. It's it's wild how many abs he has, and you don't see them until the very end. It's very hot in the in the in the Cadillac. And he starts freaking out. So we haven't even gotten to that. We part, have not gotten right? to that. Okay. Part. So <laughs> we've got distracted by his abs. So Tom is following him back and forth, trying uh, to look for an inn, look for a uh, has a plan, whatever. Uh, he they are detoured. Mm-hmm. On the way to, from, he he never takes the freeway, he only takes the highway or whatever. It's like he takes the road less traveled between L.A. and Las Vegas, which goes, you know, right through the damn desert, because that's what's between L.A. and Las right. Vegas. Also, both of those are in deserts. Uh, and he ends up stopping behind them, pulling out, turning around going to a rest stop, and while peeing, Dolan and Roman walk in, stand on either side of him, have a weird philosophical conversation, and then beat the living shit out of him. Even though he is currently armed with a gun. He currently has the giant gun on his person. And Dolan basically is like, you're never going to kill me. You would not use this. You are not a killer. I have all the power in this relationship. And thus I will let you live. Which doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, that was a, a moment where I'm, I'm like, just, you mm. have, without thought, fired bullets into several people's brains right now, or right. so far. What the fuck is your problem? <laughs> just kill this dude. Like, he's clearly stalking you, yeah. right? Like, he's not there on accident. And he has intent. Yes. Uh, to wit, a foot-long gun. <laughs> Such a big gun. Uh, and at this point, Robinson's like, all right, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a job mm-hmm. with a road crew. And we don't see anything beyond that. We mm-hmm. see him painting in his house and we see him get this job, which they're like, you're going to die. Right. It gets up to be like 119 degrees. You're standing in the sun. You're digging. You're going to pass out or, or just ghost and never come back right. and he hands over like this antique watch it's worth like two grand part in it film. is weird just basically saying if i don't stick it out the watch is yours right. and after a month or whatever they're like well because most of the people who get on the road crew of course are ex-cons mm-hmm. or immigrants that's who does this work thank you everyone who does this very important work for not nearly enough money in punishing conditions. He manages to make it through. He 
never passes out. He never loses it. They are like, okay, well, you know, you should, you, you don't have to prove anything to us. They give right. him his watch back because they're like, I don't want to take this from you. Whatever mm. is going on, fine. And we're going to teach you how to use the, it's uh, like a backhoe, basically. Right. And then on, was it Labor Day weekend, which falls on the first Sunday of the month, which is the, the day that Dolan always goes. He goes out there and we've seen him loading things back into the back of his truck and we see him remove all the information about the detour, all the big signs that say detour, go this way, this, that, and the other, as, as the Cadillac is coming. Mm-hmm. And the Cadillac comes through, goes through the detour, continues driving down the road, and about 60 yards down the road, past where the detour sign was, it falls into a big hole that had been covered by this canvas that he had painted to look like the road. His black woman driver, dead on impact. Loman, the engine block, uh, basically pushes his the bones in his lower leg through his upper leg. Like, it's a bad. Compound fracture. Some real bad compound fractures mm-hmm. of his leg. So he spends a lot of time screaming about how his legs hurt. <laughs> And how he tried to push the bones back in, but it was too sharp, which is like it's such an upsetting sense that he says. I'm just like, oh, God. Dolan is unhurt, who was in the backseat. Now, just before this happens, we should say, mm-hmm. he has been teasing. He's, he's mad because he's not making enough money. And Roman teases. Roman says this. Well, what if you could have twice the cargo in the same amount of space and each thing, each, each item fetches 10, 10 times what you're getting now. And Roman's like, what is this magic thing that you're talking about? And Roman's like, I'll tell you when the time is right or whatever. And I was like, it's children. Duh, it's children. He wants you to get in the business of selling children. And like, it's not fucking hard to figure out, right? <laughs> and just before he goes into the pit, he is on a call watching a video of children that are being... Uh, sort of presented to him as a new uh, revenue stream. Mm-hmm. Gross. I guess just so that you don't feel bad about what's about to happen, in case you were fine with the trafficking and killing of women. Because the women are actually portrayed in, in all of the scenes where we see them as being uh, complicit in their own situation. They are not. They do not appear to be drugged. They are all dressed in a way where they know what they're doing right they're standing there they move freely and unencumbered to be mm-hmm. inspected by him as he is right. you know talking horribly about them sampled yes and in some cases sampled they're really it's weird they are all tr- we never we know nothing about them right. but the way that they are portrayed in here it looks as though they were like well I'm selling myself into indentured servitude so I can get to the United States. Like, they've all made this choice, which is bullshit and kind of terrible. But that is a, that, so that is a flaw in the film. Mm-hmm. But in this, it, it looks like he's going from, you know, people who know what they signed up to, to people who clearly don't know what they signed up for. Uh, and then, whoop, right into the hole. And then there's more cars coming, so uh, Tom has to re-put up the detour sign. And while he does that, there's much screaming, much screaming downstairs, much screaming. Uh, And then he comes over with a big pile of uh, dirt from a backhoe, which he dumps 
not in the hole, but next to the hole, so he can by hand <laughs> shovel the dirt into the hole, which yeah, is a wild like choice. Shovel by shovel by yes. shovel by shovel by shovel. Which he yeah. does. And then there is a long, what is it, 25, is the last 25 minutes of the movie? Are the conversation. Are the conversation. Well, eventually, I, uh, Dolan cannot handle Roman's bitching, and mm-hmm. he shoots him in the head. And then Dolan's the only one down there. And he think he first um, Tom says, "Oh, I'm calling the, I'm calling the police. I'll, uh, help will be on the way." Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Well, you've driven past the detour sign." And he's like, "Well, I'm not driving. My driver yeah. is dead. And if there was a detour, I didn't see it." And he's like, "Well, you're actually the one in the wrong. You're, you know, you're probably going to be cited if right. the police come out here." And finally, Dolan's like. Which I think was the cleverest exchange in this part of the film. I mean, it's very obvious what King is doing and what the film is about. Um, the whole, it, it just seemed like, aside from that first one where he's just taunting him. Yeah. Uh, it It's very, you know exactly what's going to happen. There's no surprise to it anymore. No. Um, the only outside tension to those scenes is the fact that there is a police or detective rather yes who has been doing research into the human trafficking yes they're like Um, he's the one that was leading the investigation the whole time they were in witness protection and mm -hmm. is still doing it and they're like we just don't have any enough evidence to hold against him and i'm like really because this dude has been tailing him Mm -hmm. on his off time from being a teacher again one of the inconsistencies of the film right seen everything of evidence. Right. Sees where he goes, sees where he lives. Sees the death of the rival gang. When he stops outside, yes, sees the death of the rival gang. When he stops outside of one of the houses that Dolan goes to, you see women coming out and then being corralled back in. Like, it's... I'm like, wow, the police are really bad at all of their jobs. It's not really well thought out. And there's scenes that make utterly no sense. Um... And the end of the film is really obvious. There's some good exchanges between the two actors, but... Yeah. So the yeah. car, the, the the hole that he has dug is deep enough for the car to be all the way in, um, not wide enough to open the doors. Mm-hmm. The, he says try and open the sunroof, and he gets down on top of it and has a crowbar in his hand. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the sunroof won't open because all of the electronics don't work right. uh, because of the accident. Uh, and so he just starts shoveling in and he's like screaming. And then he, right. we know, Dolan knows who he is and uh, he says, well, scream. And he's like, well, how loud do I have to scream? And he's like, I don't know. Maybe I'll know it when I hear it. And he's screaming and he's screaming and he's screaming. And... Uh, Yelling and tearing, wending at his clothes. This is why his yes. abs make the first appearance. And I'm just like, damn, Christian Slater, those are some abs. For God's <laughs> sakes, Montresor. So, well, yes, <laughs> yes. Which, uh, by the way, I, I discovered that the hotel the couple stays at early in the film is the Montresor. But by then, we already know what this film is. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that wasn't so subtle. So he's your age. Mm-hmm. So in 2009, he was 39. No, 40. I try not to think about it. Yes. So he's 40 mm-hmm. in this movie. And he looks great. Yeah. Um, and yes, he's screaming, let me out. I'm sorry, let me out. Uh, 
and yelling and yelling and yelling, and the dirt keeps coming. The dirt mm-hmm. keeps coming. And yes, we're Cascavamontayadoing this dude. We're going to bury him. Well, also to the point to where he lays these sort of tiles over the And then, the yeah, of he does the... I guess that's how they do the, the roads. The understructure road. of a road is like... Um, uh, they look like plates of metal, maybe? No, they're cinder blocks. Oh, okay. Is what they are. Um, gray, to match the roadway. And he covers the whole thing with dirt, and then he puts each of the things down, and then he's like... Uh, what's the last line? I can't remember the last one. Let me see if it's... Um, no, the other, the other, the one quote in here that I like is the Dolan quote when he's letting Tom live in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. When he says, they say the day you die is just like any other day, only shorter. The meaning of life is that it stops. That's what makes it so precious, right? So if I kill you in a weird way, I'm giving you that gift. Right. It leaves him that, again, on the is, bathroom floor. It's a very kind of film noir sort of line. Yeah. And, and so. F- idea, I guess. He covers up the, the sunroof. Because mm-hmm. there's been light coming in until now. He covers up the sunroof and he puts down the last paving stone, which is actually probably what it is, mm-hmm. paving stone. And he lays down on it and he gets a call. He picks up his phone and it is the FBI agent saying, mm-hmm. we just busted the house. They were going to start selling kids. Right. We've got them. We've got them for everything. And he's like, well, that's great. <laughs> and they're not going to get him because he's under the ground now. So, and that is the end of the movie. Um, I will say I like that last scene, that mm-hmm. whole thing where he's burying him. But I think it would have been more effective where, because we're hearing Dolan screaming mm-hmm. and we're seeing Robinson burying him. And the volume of the screams never fluctuates. And right. I wish when we were seeing him being buried, when we were seeing him from the outside, that it was, you heard how muffled it was. Mm-hmm. And then when we, see him inside the truck then you hear how loud he's screaming I think that would have been more effective than just having both of them at full volume the whole time I think because I think it loses impact that way what I got was um, Steven Spielberg in Rage of the Lost Ark Mm -hmm. the scene with um, Karen Allen screaming just as the last stone is shut and they're locked inside of this tomb and it's cut off and and that was an effective use of like like you hear that. the scream cut off because the stone has been put into place and they're just locked in there in the dark. And something like that would have been effective. But instead what we got, there was a lot of carelessness to this movie. It felt because, uh, rushed. It felt like they didn't have enough Think about time. the ending for a second. It doesn't matter if they caught the guy. It doesn't. Right? If the FBI caught the guy, no. it wouldn't make any difference That's like the a story. weird moral thing mm-hmm. where they're like, well, if they, he, he would like... Now this guy's a bad guy because mm-hmm. the cops would have had him and he would have right. run away. Yeah, it was, a, weird, it was a, a strange Don't moral judgment to put on the character who just has killed and has murdered and very ruthlessly um, enslaved I don't know how many hundreds of people Right. Yes. at this point. Right. And so, then his murderer and the black woman that is like, how did I get into this mm-hmm. job? And I'm like, well, you know. But it brings up the idea that there's no innocent people in this film, except maybe for, uh, not even, well, uh, Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> yeah, she, yes, Mrs. She's Robinson innocent, was but innocent, she's but she's not she's particularly bright. Dumb. Yeah. So people make decisions just to help the plot along. Yeah. And then there's that weird moral dilemma that's sort of in the end that is not a dilemma, 
because the police have been so grossly incompetent at their job. I, I mean, as you mentioned, the, uh, Tom Robinson in this story has, which actually is the name of the man in To Kill a Mockingbird. Huh, that's interesting. Anyhow. Um, so interesting. Is that at this point he's achieved more than the police or the FBI have. And instead of, if he really wanted to bring him to justice that way, he would have given all that information to the FBI. I saw him kill these three people, right? Yeah. I saw this happen. I saw that happen. And he could have turned over all the evidence right away. But he didn't. And so much of this, it, what happens in the film doesn't make any sense. Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? I don't like a movie where I'm smarter than the people in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care for that. It was like, we, we, we just need him to dig this hole. Like, that's the whole, the, that's the whole of it. Right. Now, the whole of it. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it was too long. I do think it was done well. I yeah. think, um, I think everybody who's acting in it is doing a great job. Right. The words that they're saying are fucking ridiculous. So okay. The script felt like a rough fucking draft. It, it reminds me of, uh, what's the thing when you're in a writing class and somebody compliments the font that you use? You know, that kind of thing. It's like, they used, it's really pretty, you know, I was like, I think there like, were moments in The looks, Mangler where it looked really good and then right. it's just a shit movie. In though, this cause... one, it looks good. The mm-hmm. acting is really yes. good. Like I said, the script needed work. Right. It was halfway there, and it needed to... Because, yeah, if you had especially better dialogue... Well, a thriller moves along. It really depends. Does everything lead naturally into the other, or are you just trying to rush on to the next set piece? That's kind of what it felt like. And some of the set pieces are rushed through because the director doesn't exactly know how to shoot these things. Like, I just need to get to the end where they're in a hole. Right. So that's what it felt like. Just things were moving along at such a speed as to... And there were neat touches. It was really funny watching a married couple in quarantine just constantly having sex and then being bored and having sex and being bored, which is exactly what a young couple probably would do. Um, Especially if they're trying to have a baby. And there were other neat things to the film, but there's so many kind of Darwinian speeches given by um, by Dolan. Yeah, the Roman Dolan faux uh-huh. sort of philosophical conversations that right. they keep having are deeply aggravating in a world, in, in a 2020 world of where I'm just like, if all white men could just shut the fuck up. Well, I think Because that, it's clear they're just right. talking to hear their own voices. Well, but you know I think I mean? that was like, what we were supposed to be given. Yeah. I would have loved to for... But in 2020, it's rough. <laughs> it's a rough I part. would have loved to for the woman driver, the driver, to actually interject. I mean, we did get her reaction, which was priceless. But I would love to have heard to interject something into the conversation, because the only parts that Dolan... The only parts of his speeches that were interesting to me was when he's trying to quantify people as items or packages so he doesn't have to think about them being human. Mm -hmm. And there is an interesting note to his character that he seems to quail a little bit at the idea of trafficking children, like he's beginning to reach a line himself. Yes. And I wanted more of that because other than that, he's just... Yeah, and there's this thing, this whole thing where, where Roman is basically like, I mean these people just want help and right. you know the the rich are are you know exploiting the poor and it's and we're doing everything we can to help the poor get a leg up and it's like you are trafficking women to sell them for sex well so but, let's let's get off our little high horses but they this is what they tell themselves is, to make themselves i would have liked to have seen as you said more in the script now this is i hate when people do that with my work i would have liked to have seen because i really don't care what they want to see 
But I think what would have worked or made a more successful film in this case is if you played into that. There was some sort of real exposure of the irony of the fact that they're trying to think this or some depth to the character beyond. They're just bad, 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 bad. bad, bad. And and because like this is let me. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, from the voiceover of Robinson describing Dolan. Uh-huh. He looks like anybody you see on the street, but when he grins, birds fall off telephone lines. When he looks at you a certain way, your prostate goes bad and your urine burns. The grass yellows up and dies where he spits. He's always outside. He came out of time. He has the name of a thousand demons. He can call the wolves and I live with the crows. Or call the wolves and live with the crows. He's the king of nowhere. I waited and watched. I watched and I waited. For years I saw him come and I saw him go. Dolan. Now in this, for years, uh-huh. my understanding was it was uh, months, not years. In the book it was years. Mm-hmm. But it, what we see is not years of time going by. So that's another like weird... I think that... Like, they probably, that feels directly pulled from the story. Right, it does. And, and not adjusted to the film that was made. It's a really great passage that should have been honored by making the character l- that way. Yeah, and instead of just a to snivelly, snivelly sex trafficker. Whiny, right. Yeah. There was nothing about him that came across the idea that he's evil. Just that he was, okay, he's... He's just a capitalist, yo. Right, that's kind of the impression. It's not, there's nothing... He's in uh, it for the Benjamins. Right. Money and, rules everything And the fact him. that he justifies everything that he does in a sort of like a capitalist way instead of if we're trying to portray a character who has that kind of aura of evil around him, this isn't it. This isn't the performance that gives that. And that, that's not Christian Slater's fault. I'm sure that with some no. help he could be completely capable of giving that performance. Yeah. I mean, he was a creepier but character the, the in words, Heathers. The words that he's saying... Right. Do not make... It's that script. I think mm-hmm. that script yeah. needs help. And, and and in this case, I don't actually mean... I think the structure of the movie is fine. I think right. the dialogue is a problem. I think, right. it's, I think it's too weak for what needs be, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not, it's not Christian Slater's fault that he's not able to do this because he's given nothing. Yeah. That's what I have to say. Is that mm. what you have to say? Pretty much. Although I would add Eugene Clark for the couple of scenes that he's in playing the South African uh, road worker. Is he South African? Well, yes, but African, the but accent was really weird. I don't know that he was from South Africa. but I, I th- believe he was. Um, the character. The actor obviously isn't, but he's a character actor who does not get enough recognition because he pops up in the oddest places playing really large Big guy. Yeah, no, he was good. He was very sparkling on the right. on the and he led some some character to anonymous road worker. He he put something into it, and it's the probably the only humanity that we really see from Tom Robinson later in the film is the fact that he has some kind of friendship with Tink, this big guy. Yes. Next up. What's next? The two thousand and nine television movie version. Oh no. Of Children of the Corn. Oh, starring one of your favorite actors. Actresses, as a matter of fact. Who that? Um, the, oh wait, I might be thinking of another version of the film. 
What were you thinking of? I was thinking of... I think you're right, actually. The actress who played Sue Snell in the last adaptation we saw of Carrie. Yeah, I believe that is the one. Corn. 2009. Children of the Corn. Oh, God, they're doing it again for next year. It's a good story that is... They're having trouble kind of nailing it. So, this one stars David Andrews and Candace McClure, as mm-hmm. you say. So, that is what we are watching for next week. I believe it is on Amazon. Okay. I'll put it in the show notes, whatever. Children of the Corm. Corm. The next thing after that is Bag of Bones. Okay. With Bag Piers Brosnan. Also made for TV. I don't remember that one at all, I don't think. Huh. That's a, I like that book a lot. So mm. it was an A&E miniseries. Mm. So that'll be the next thing. So okay. that's the next two things. Children of the Corm. Corm. And then mm. Bag of Bones. Mm. Uh, in the meantime, do you have anything you would like to suggest I, that the, our There is something I would like to suggest, but with a caution. A caution. Because the film is very graphic. Beware. And violent. Uh, it's a movie called The Perfection that I uh, saw just recently. I started it and didn't quite finish it. And then I believe it was a Netflix original film. Netflix original film with Allison Williams and Logan Browning and, and Stephen Weber who to me was unrecognizable. I love Stephen Webber, and you don't like Stephen Webber, but you like him in this. I, I think because he was almost unrecognizable and he wasn't doing the Stephen Webber thing. Um, I can't say anything about this film without giving it away. There are several really jagged twists in the plot. It's a horror film. It is a horror film. And I would say, to warn an audience, a potential audience for this film, it has the same kind of weight at times as a film like, in terms of violence, uh, Hereditary or Midsummer or Suspiria. It's that intense at times. And also, if you are an emetophobe, you don't want to see this movie. Okay, gotcha. Aside from that warning, um, there are some really good performances, and it's one of those films where you're not clear where it's going at any point. It's never boring, which okay. I hate it when you're not sure where it's going and you don't care. <laughs> yeah, um, that's but so good. <laughs> you know that the characters, and Alison Williams is very good in this film. You know that she's up to something. <gasps> she's always up to something. Didn't you see Get Out? She's always up right. To she's up to something, and then Logan Browning is also up to something, and Stephen Weber is transparent all through the film, but you don't realize what he's up to until later. And so there's a lot of intelligent acting done with glances. In this film, it it kept my interest the entire time because it's constantly changing, and you think it's about this and it's about that, and, and the best thing to do is to go into it not knowing anything about it. There are some twists that might ask a lot of you to uh, like in to terms follow of along with f- suspension of belief until the reason for it comes up later on. Like you're like, why the hell did that person do that? But there is a reason. Unlike when we're watching Dolan's Cadillac, people do things for inexplicable reasons. Inexplicable. I'm going to run out to my car. Um, because I just need to see right now if I'm pregnant. You don't, right. though. You could just wait until tomorrow morning, and then you wouldn't be blown up. You know, eventually you either will be or won't be pregnant. Um, yes. So, yes. <laughs> right. I, I, you but, either are or you aren't. Like that, yeah, you don't, oh, that's, yeah, no, she okay. aggravates but me, and this, I don't think she deserved to die. That's not what I'm saying, but good Lord. This, you are uh, under witness protection. Right. <laughs> Stay There's a reason why you're put. there. Uh, but this film, um, like I said, features some very good performances, some very twisty plot turns, some really good cello music. <laughs> I love cello music. This film is all about cello players. 
Uh, so yes, but just be warned, it's gonna be hard on you. And but the final image of this film achieves a weird kind of psychotic beauty to it. Uh, yeah, it's just mm, yeah. It but be warned. I warned you. Don't say I didn't warn you. So what film would you recommend? I'm gonna recommend the Hulu film Shirley. Okay. That we watched. Yes. A while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie stars. Problematic fave Elizabeth Moss right. as uh, Shirley Jackson. Unproblematic, as far as I know, fave Shirley yeah. Jackson. Although she was pretty problematic at turns. Especially probably. if you knew her personally, yes. she was very problematic. Shirley Jackson, the uh, genius horror author of right. such uh, works as The Haunting of Hill House, is that yes. what the book is called? And The Lottery. And we have always lived in a castle. The Witch, um, which is a great short story. I don't know it. Uh, it, She's a really wonderful writer, and... She was. She died. I I just, I get, uh, and we've discussed this before, I get irritated when people go on about the importance of someone like H.P. Lovecraft to American horror writing and completely ignore how Shirley Jackson just brought this stuff into the mainstream. Mm -hmm. Lovecraft was writing for pulp magazines, Shirley Jackson just brought this out there. She's writing this Saturday Evening Post. Oh, okay. Writing horror stories for the Saturday Evening Post. So, yeah. Because it wasn't... It wasn't creature horror. Mm Mm-hmm. It was... Although, the case could be made for The Haunting of Hill House that there's something... You never see what it is, but there is something really wrong there. but you never see what it is. You never see... Or it's the horror that humans do to themselves. Right. Or to each other. So, yeah. Um... And she's a darkly tragic figure, I yes, guess I would say. Yes, she is. Uh, and this is not a biopic. No. Um, it's based on a novel. It's based on a novel, novel, a fictional novel. So, uh-huh. yes. Yeah, so, but it is a really interesting story. I think Elizabeth Moss is eminently watchable. Mm. I've never seen anything with her in it where I was like, I don't need to watch what she's doing. Like, right. I need to watch what she's doing always. Yeah. Uh, she does, a, she's very expressive in her inexpressiveness even right. sometimes. Um, and she's very interesting in this, what she is doing and sort of the ugliness of a person that is so beloved. Right. Uh, it's very, very good. It's, um, yeah. And her relationship with her husband. Uh, well, yeah. That's... Which is... There's so many weird dynamics in this yeah. film, and you understand how that made its way into her fiction. And there's little bits and pieces where you can see, because uh, the story is taken really from the point of view of a young woman who becomes her friend. Yes, like um, boards with them. And winds up doing research for her. Yeah. Uh, but there's a weird moment where Elizabeth Moss is coming into her own and developing the friendship with this young woman. And she speaks in a very weird sort of staccato, which I really appreciated because it sounds exactly like what Shirley Jackson sounds like when you read her out loud. These sort of short, slightly off declarative sentences. And that was a neat kind of uh, way of capturing that character. I don't know that I've seen much about her or heard her voice, although she certainly could have been recorded. Um, but yeah, there were moments there where it felt very much like you're reading 
she's speaking as Shirley Jackson, the writer, mm-hmm. spoke. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and uh, yeah, and she really a, did look like her too. Yeah, she they, did. They did they a really great did a job. Nice job with Elizabeth Moss is also very good with, and this is going to sound harsh, but being unattractive. And there's a scene in this film where she completely just sort of flattens herself yes. into the sofa. Yes. And looks like she's not quite alive. Yes, the way that she sits is very uh-huh. um, sort of telling. Right. The, yes, the way that she moves. She does not the whole care thing. if she's glamorous or not. She will come red eyed no. and sobbing it's and red nosed. It's a very um, yes. non vain. Right. Uh, and I think this in The Invisible portrayal. Man also had a, an element of just her ju- being that way. And then when you see her in something like uh, Us, right? No, what was the name of the film? Uh-huh. Us. Uh, you see her play, just doing something completely different, you know. <laughs> uh, white mom getting drunk, <laughs> casually drunk with her friends. And that's, and she still invests that with enough character that when something bad happens to her, you feel bad for her. Because she's somebody that you know, you know. I know that lady. Uh, yeah, no, and I thought I thought it was really good. I thought it was really yeah. interesting, and it's not very long. No, it's not. Yeah, so that's that is my also always interesting. You are watching the performance, and if you're familiar with her work, you're watching all the sort of Easter eggs that are yes. there for you. Yeah. So yeah, for sure, it's good stuff. Uh, so I think that brings us to the end. Uh-huh. Next week, Children of the Corm, and. Uh, until then, if you have uh-huh. questions, comments, concerns, concerns, you can email us I'm concerned. at latecomerspod at gmail.com. Uh-huh. You can find us on Twitter at latecomerspod. You can find us on Facebook. Look up Latecomers Podcast in the search bar. Uh, until then, until we see you next time. See you with our eyes. With our eyes. We're watching. Not buried in a pit. Uh, I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you... Better late late than than never. never.